you can live with absolute confidence and pursue what your mission in life is to achieve with ultimate energy. Welcome to the Grow Time Business Devo, where we explore biblical principles for living a high performance and a God-honoring life. And my name is Kenneth Ott. Today, we're in Romans chapter eight. I'm gonna read verse 24 through verse 31. So I'm gonna go ahead and just read that right now and then we'll kind of get into some things. It says, for we were saved in this hope. And that's the hope, it's referring to the hope of salvation. We were saved in this hope, but hope that is seen is not hope. For why does one still hope for what he sees? But if we hope for what we do not see, we eagerly wait for it with perseverance. Likewise, the spirit also helps in our weaknesses. For we do not know what we should pray for as we ought, but the spirit himself makes intercession for us with groanings, which cannot be uttered. Now he who searches the hearts knows what the mind of the spirit is because he makes intercession for the saints according to the will of God. And we know that all things work together for the good of those who love God to those who are the called according to his purpose. And I'll skip to verse 30. Moreover, whom he predestined, these he also called. Whom he called, these he also justified. And whom he justified, these he also glorified. What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? And so as I'm thinking about this today, I just wanted to pull out a few things. This contains one of the, one of the most popular verses or a couple of them that a lot of, a lot of us know and hear and see on bumper stickers and those kind of things. But a lot of those verses are often taken out of context. So what I thought as I was reading this today, and this was my devotion for the day, I thought I just wanted to break down what I was seeing in here as being contextual and important for getting some of these things that we see on bumper stickers. So like that first verse, and we know that all things work together for the good of those who love God, right? Um, we see that we hear that a lot. That's a buildup of the verses before it. Also, if God is for us, then who, should be, who, who can be against us? This verse is true, but it's a buildup of the verses before it. And so that's kind of what I wanted to dig into. What are the prerequisites for those things actually being true? And I'm calling this for those, dot, dot, dot. And so let's get into it. Number one, verse 24 and 20, 25, it talks about this idea of hope. We've talked about the idea of hope. And I've sort of defined hope in my head as belief plus expectation equals hope. And, and we know how powerful belief is. And we know how powerful positive expectation is. And that produces hope. This, we get some common sense here, right? Hope that is seen is not hope. For why would anyone still hope for what he sees? And that's this idea of if you, if you have the thing that you're hoping for, then you don't hope for it anymore. So hope by definition is for something that you don't see. It, it requires faith. It requires belief. It requires expectation. and if you're a high performance and high achiever, 
you must have high hope. Like that is an important thing. If you have high hopes for your future, then you're likely to pursue that future and achieve some really, really great things. If you have doubts about your future, that does you no benefit, right? We talked about this idea of doubt having really no benefit to your future, right? The, the, the upside of a doubt is nothing. The upside of a hope, right? Of a positive, of a faith in a positive future, in a positive outcome, expecting a positive outcome. The upside of that has attaches the, or, or brings with it the likelihood of that thing actually happening. And so that's why hope is so important. Verse 25, but if we hope for what we do not see, we eagerly wait for it with perseverance. And so I thought those words were really interesting here. If we hope for what we do not see, we eagerly wait for it. I think the connotation around hope in our current day is like it's it's a pipe dream, right? It's it's a false hope. Like I think that when we say when we use the word hope a lot of times it's not the same way that it was expected or intended in 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 these verses. Cuz I think a lot of times when we use hope in our current culture it's it's um used as a way of describing something that might happen but likely won't. Right? You don't hope to win a championship, you go and win the championship, right? You expect to win it. But the truth is, I think that we've watered down the idea of hope because true hope is a belief. It's believing and expecting the thing to happen. What's interesting here is when it, when it says, we eagerly wait for it. And I wrote, I circled the word wait. And then I wrote, waiting it's like as if it were done, right? You, you don't, you're not unsure about it happening. You're not wondering if it's happening. You're waiting for the thing to happen. So true hope, what we read right here, is waiting for it to happen. Like it's done. We expect it to happen. Now it's a matter of executing. That's what perseverance is, right? Expecting with perseverance, right? Executing and doing our job. And just a matter of time and waiting for that thing to happen. It's not passive waiting, it's active waiting. So that, that, that first thing is that idea of hope being, it's a concrete thing that we wait for, right? We need to expect it. So if we don't expect it, right? If we don't believe that it's going to happen, then it's, it's not really hope, right? As, at least as it's talked about right here. So it's like redefining how our culture sees hope or how our English language has seen, has, has uh, put connotations around hope. And hope is much more concrete. Hope is an expectation. It's a belief. It's as if it were done. And that's really powerful. And it can be very hard to do. But here's the thing. It's just a decision and then it's an action. So it's deciding that it's done, believing it with conviction. And that takes... Again, this idea of a mission and a calling, right? 
But if you have that vision, that mission, that calling, then you can believe that it's done and, and just begin acting. And now you're waiting with perseverance. And then we get into verse uh, 26 and 27. This talks about prayer, okay? And it talks about interceding and that kind of thing. But what I really wanted to call out here is verse 26. For we do not know what we should pray for as we ought, but the spirit himself makes intercession for us with groanings, which cannot be uttered. When you read this, it's almost as if it, he's Paul saying that when we pray, we don't know the depth of what we actually need for ourselves. We don't even know the depth for what we're actually asking. And so when we're praying, the Holy Spirit actually understands with greater magnitude what we're actually asking. And we don't even have the words for it. We don't even have to have the words for it. We can just have the feelings for it and have the thoughts around it. And I think what's really powerful here is how it builds hope and then prayer, right? And prayer that we can't even speak, okay? Like prayers that don't even have words. That, that takes a lot of weight off of my shoulders as I think about that, right? I couldn't possibly like you know it's funny like when 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 me and my kids when we when we pray before bed, they make it a point to name every single person in our entire family, which is great. But the truth is is we can't name every single person that we care about. We can't name every single thing that we care about or that we want God to touch or we we're, we're working towards. it's It's almost impossible. And so, then what, then what is prayer? Like if we don't have the words. And I think what's really powerful right here is that prayer is, is happening even when we don't have the words. And that's, that's really powerful. And, and it surprises me, you know, prayer is one of the, the superpowers that we've been given. This, this, this miracle of prayer where we don't even have to have the words and and if we're connected and we have a relationship, and this is one of the benefits to having a relationship with your creator is if we're connected and we have this relationship, we don't have to worry about even having the words that, that need to communicate our needs. The, the, the awareness of our needs actually exceeds and is greater than even the words that we could pray, right? It's already known. That only comes if we have this relationship. I'm just wondering, like, what would it look like if you actually leveraged the full power of prayer? If you're struggling, if you don't know the direction you're supposed to be going, if things are just not working out the way you want them to, if, if, um, let's say you're not at the, you have these desires, but they're just not being fulfilled. Like, are you leveraging the full power of the miracle of prayer? And it truly is that powerful. And what's the downside of trying it? You know, this is, this is something that even if, if you're listening to this, you're likely, uh, you're, you're likely a high performance person, uh, someone with a lot of ambition and a Christian or interested in the ways of God and how you can leverage that in your life. But are you 
leveraging the full power of prayer. Like uh, I, I, I did this other video called Action Habits and prayer is one of those action habits. It's like an ingrained thing that you do every day and, and it's a muscle that you condition. You bring things before God that you care about, troubles or things that are concerning you or desires of your heart, whatever they are, and you bring them to someone greater. And it takes this massive responsibility and weight off your shoulders. I don't know if we've leveraged the full power of that in our mission, in our businesses, right? Like I know a lot of people that uh, pray about a lot of things, but, but there's a lot of things they don't pray about because it, they're not inherently, quote, spiritual things, right? That might be like, you know, a sports game or a business that they have or their work every day or whatever that is, um, tests, et cetera. It turns out that from this, these verses right here, clearly prayer is all, like everything can be brought forward in prayer. It's all encompassing, even to the extent of things that we can't even say, right? So are we bringing the businesses that we're working on, that we're building, or the, in, the ambitions that we have, are we bringing them forward in prayer? And are we leveraging the full power of that potential? Now, when it, now what, what's, what's interesting about prayer is from this verse, it's clear like we don't even need to have the words, but we need to have the thoughts and we need to have the relationship. Like prayer is less of a, you know, um, our father, like who art in heaven, like right before we eat and right, right in the morning, right? It's less of the words that, that are coming out of our mouths. And it's more about the, it's more about the, the feelings and the connection that's happening inherently throughout the day. That's what prayer is about. It, and that's powerful, right? The words themselves and the time of day, like it is important to say the words, right? But, but maybe, and I don't know this, this could be way off, but it seems to be like, maybe, maybe the words are just for us, but maybe the power of prayer is actually in the relationship and the connection throughout the day with the Holy Spirit, with the God who made you. And, and just bringing those things before him and letting him take it from there. Sometimes we don't even have the right words to pray. And the cool thing about it is in this verse, clearly you don't even have the words, that you don't even have to have the words. The spirit himself makes intercession for us with groanings, which cannot be uttered. Like <laughs> all you have to do is have groanings that can't even be put into words. And if you have that relationship, those prayers actually do something and go somewhere. And that's really powerful. And so the power of prayer, it's the second takeaway I wanted to make here. And then um, verses 28 and 29, this is really interesting because it has to do with being called. And so again, these things are building on each other, right? So there's hope, there's prayer. And now we get to the third building block, which is, and we know that all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are the called according to his purpose. So in my translation, it actually says to to those, to those who are the called, which seems like 
weird grammatically to me, unless it is the called, like the label that's on you, right? According to his purpose. And that verse is often a verse that we hear. It's, it's, it's a powerful verse, but that verse is not everything is going to be okay. It also builds on the things before it, right? So if you have hope and expectation and belief and prayer and intercession, and you're doing these things, then all things work together for good to those who love God and are the called according to his purpose. And so what does that mean? So as I, as I look into this, I'm like, well, number one, you have to be doing those things before because, it's, because this is a so, right? And we know you have to be doing those things before. You have to love God. You have to be called according to his purpose, right? You have to have found your calling. And I want to talk about that here for a second because I don't think, again, I'm not a theologian, but I think that finding your calling might be the, the thing that makes you called, right? Like, it, I, don't, I don't necessarily believe only because I've, I haven't seen this very much. It hasn't happened in my life where something, an angel comes down from heaven and says, this is what you're supposed to be doing. Like, I'm not saying that that doesn't happen. I'm sure it does. But I would guess for most people, this is what happens for me. So I have to pursue that thing. And then eventually I kind of find that thing, right? And then eventually when I find the thing and I'm praying about it and I'm pursuing that thing, right? Then uh, if I really care about finding it, if it's the right thing, then I start to get little God taps from different places that are showing me that I'm going in the right direction. And I'm showing me that, that this is actually where I'm supposed to be going. And it's building on my confidence in that direction, in that vision. And it's more of a feeling and a compounding of situations versus a, a supernatural event where someone comes down and like, you know, says, Ken, you are supposed to be doing this thing. And I think that sometimes, because this is how I believed it at one point, sometimes I think we might believe that that is the only way to be called, right? And everyone else who doesn't get that supernatural, you know, event is maybe not called. And I don't, I don't think that that's the case. That's never been the case in my life and for many that I know. So maybe to be called, you have to be pursuing to be called. Okay, so all things work together for good. Obviously, it doesn't say all things are good. There are a lot of bad things. But all things work together for good for those who love God and are called according to his purpose. Now, the interesting thing about all things working together for good, this was hard for me to, to fathom as I grew up and I'm still, I'm still chewing on it, but I think what's really interesting about this concept is I don't believe and, I don't, and you don't read anywhere here that God does bad things to people, right? There are consequences, there are punishments, there are all these different things. But what's interesting as you look at the entire Bible and you realize that the laws that God put into and fabricated the universe with, those are, I have a mentor that calls them God's automation, right? They're, they're how things work. And so you can choose to work with them or work against them. But God is not actively putting bad things into people's lives. People are making choices that go against certain laws, right? 
that go against certain principles and then they're having certain consequences. Like we see that right now in culture. We see that in a lot of different places. Like to me, that makes a whole lot of sense. You can either work with them or work against them. I don't believe that God puts bad things into people's lives, but what God does do is for those who love God and who are hoping and praying and who are called, he works all those things together for their good. So even when bad things happen, even when you make a wrong move or you fail, you make a bad choice or whatever that is, if you love God, your your hope is, you have hope, you have prayer, you're called, those things work together for your good. So I think we're, there's two sides of this. One is the question is, is like, well, maybe a lot of this is your perspective on things. Maybe that's how God is working for your good. It's because when you're doing some of these things, you have the perspective that is different than someone who is not, right? So when a bad thing happens, you're able to reframe it. You're able to get the good out of it. You're able to see these things because you're, you're following God's principles, right? Maybe this is not as supernatural. I'm not saying it's not, but maybe it's also dependent on how your perspective is because you've built yourself as a human being in such a way that has success principles ingrained into you, right? Hope brings that, prayer brings that, belief brings that, expectation brings that. Following these principles, pursuing a calling, loving God, following these principles, put certain things inside of you so that you have a mental capacity to frame situations and actually get the good out of situations. Maybe, maybe that's part of what it means. I think it does. But God works them together. However he does, he works those situations together for, for the good, for those who love God. But there are not always good things, but all the things work together. It's really interesting. It's like God's stacking the deck in your favor, right? And there's a law of physics called the law of polarity, right? Which is for every negative, there's a positive. This is the tr- for, every, for every one side, there's another side, right? There's no one-sided coin. And we see this everywhere. It's, it's literally in everything. And so if it's in every physical, physical thing, then it's certainly, and it's, it's, it's also in every non-physical thing that we can't see, like gravity is, is an example of that. For every physical thing, if, if that's true in nature, then it's also true in situations. So it's almost like God's woven these laws in to stack the deck in your favor. So it's almost like you, if you, if you know that, God's created a situation where it is a win-win for you in every situation. Now, I'm not saying that aren't really, really bad situations and that there really aren't, there aren't really painful situations. But the truth is, is there are, there are positives for every negative situation and all things can be worked together using that for your good. It doesn't, it doesn't say for your happiness, doesn't say for your comfort, says for your good, right? So we know that growth happens in uncomfortable situations. Um, I do a lot of weight training. Like in order to get stronger, you must be uncomfortable in lifting heavier weights, 
So that's working together for my good, but it's not necessarily fun or it, it I've, you can design it so it's fun, right? So that you're, that you're um, motivated by the end result so much that you want to do the thing. But the thing is not necessarily fun. It's the result. And so they work together for your good. And then I just want to sort of end here on verse 30, 31, right? Which is the last step. Okay, so whom he called, he also justified. And whom he justified, these he also glorified. What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? And I wrote down here, when you are called, you're justified. So act in confidence. A lot of times when we pursue something, we're called to do it, right? And again, I have a mentor that says, disruption follows intention. He says that over and over and over again. And it's so true, right? When you're called to do something and you pursue something, you start something good, disruption will follow that. It's actually shown throughout the Bible. It actually happened to God when he was in creation. Disruption followed attention. And so this idea that when you're called to do something, when situations come and friction happens and bad things happen and, the, and, and uh, it gets harder and you start to question it, or maybe bad things happen, know that you are justified. So you're justified in your calling. So you should act with confidence. And that confidence is in that verse 31. And that's that verse that we hear all the time. What, what should we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? That's ultimate confidence, right? If God is for you, the creator of the universe, then who, what human being or any power can be against you? Like literally none, right? So that should give you ultimate confidence. But here's the thing that's taken out of context all the time. I think it's so important to understand that. You only get that if we back up. You only get that if you're called, right? And then if you're, if you're so ingrained in prayer or, or a relationship that, that, that you leverage the power and the miracle of prayer, and you have the belief and expectation that creates hope. You only get that confidence if you do these other things. You don't just get that confidence without those things, right? This verse is like a summary of everything Paul said. It's like, what should I say? Here, I'll just say this. If God's for us, who can be against us, right? Like, like he summarized everything. It's almost kind of silly, but it's such a powerful verse. But you, I just, it, you don't get that unless you do these other things. And that makes a lot of sense, right? Like this, like the small things lead up to the big thing. But the powerful thing is, is this, if you pursue that calling, whatever you're trying to do, right? That business, that next level of growth or whatever you're trying to do, that family, that organization, that whatever it is, right? That excellent thing that you're trying to pursue. If you pursue that thing, right, and you pursue the calling and you're in line with that and you're taking into account all of God's success principles, you're working with them versus working against them. 
Like you're working with the principles that are the equivalent of gravity versus working against them. And then, then it's like a foregone conclusion. You're going to win. And it's like, if God's for you, because you're in line with all the principles, you're doing the things, then no one can be against you. And you're, you should have ultimate confidence and you're extremely powerful. And, uh, and that should give you confidence to move through any, any objection that's kind of coming in your way. And I know for me, for me in my life and everything that I've pursued when I've had this and I've felt that, I feel unstoppable. But I also know that when I don't have that, like when I, when I feel like I'm not doing the right thing or I'm compromising something um, or I'm drifting or I'm not in line with the success principles, maybe I'm violating them and I know it. Then I also know that I don't have that confidence and I have a lot of doubts and I have a lot of fears that what if this happens and this happens, you know, I'm very vulnerable over here. Like, and I think that's how a lot of people live. And imagine if you don't have to live like that, right? You can live with absolute confidence and pursue what you're, what you're, you've been called, what your mission in life is to achieve, pursue that like with ultimate energy and just as fast as possible. Like, what would that feel like? So I hope this was really helpful to you. I hope it was inspiring. I hope it helps you run harder at what you're supposed to be doing. For more information, if you want to get these daily or in your inbox, go to bizdevo.com. That's B-I-Z-D-E-V-O.com. Or if you'd like to learn more about me, you can visit kenot.com. That's K-E-N-O-T-T. So thank you. Have a great day. And until next time, thanks and never stop growing.